Okay, now that we've forced our anti-gun friends to concede the fact that gun rights are an individual right, let's move on to another big question about the Second Amendment. Did the founders intend for people to have any weapons, including military weapons, or did they just mean for us to have muskets? Now this may sound like some silly false dichotomy, but several celebrities and news pundits have actually claimed that the Second Amendment is meant for muskets. Republicans like to pretend that their interpretations of the Constitution are based on the original intent of the words. They insist that what matters is what the authors of those words had in mind. They think of themselves as mind readers of the Founding Fathers. Well, this is what they had in mind when they wrote the Second Amendment, a single shot firearm that takes a bit of work to reload. The kind of thing that would make it impossible for someone to walk into his workplace or his school or a movie theater or a shopping mall and kill 20 people. And many other people who realize how stupid that sounds still say the same thing a different way when they say that the founders never intended for people to have weapons as powerful as AR-15s. This is the claim that gun control activists make when they accept begrudgingly or otherwise, that the Constitution guarantees individual gun ownership. Now, I have several points to make about this perception of the Second Amendment. First of all, the founders were not stupid. This perception assumes that our founding fathers had no sense of history and no imagination whatsoever. They obviously knew that weapons of the future would be more powerful than weapons of their time. It doesn't matter whether or not they specifically imagined an AR-15. They chose their words very carefully. They intended for the right to be open-ended. If they wanted us to have muskets, they would have said, the right of the people to keep and bear muskets shall not be infringed. Secondly, by the same logic that the Second Amendment is only for muskets, free speech wouldn't apply to the internet, warrants wouldn't be necessary to search computer hard drives, and the free exercise of religion wouldn't include Mormons. Since the founders never could have imagined Mormonism, Justice Scalia put this perfectly in DC versus Heller. He said, quote, Some have made the argument bordering on the frivolous that only those arms in existence in the 18th century are protected by the Second Amendment. We do not interpret constitutional rights this way. The Second Amendment extends prima facie to all instruments that constitute bearable arms, even those that were not in existence in the time of the founding. End quote. And my final point on this is that muskets weren't even close to the most powerful weapons in existence at the time of the founding, and the founders knew that. There were plenty of pre-constitution assault weapons that could destroy buildings, sink ships, or kill a whole lot of people in a very short amount of time. For example, the Girondoni air rifle was built in the 1770s and it was famously used on the Lewis and Clark expedition. It had a 22 round magazine that you could fire in about 30 seconds. The Pepperbox Revolver, or Pepperbox Rifle. This was a repeating firearm with three or more barrels that revolve around a center axis. Some had over 20 barrels. The concept was first developed in the 15th century, hundreds of years before the Constitution. The Puckle Gun was a primitive version of a Gatling gun. It was built in 1717 and it could fire about 9 rounds per minute. The Belton Flintlock it was built in the 1770s. It had a repeated flintlock design. It could fire 20 rounds in about 5 seconds. And you don't even need a history lesson to know that there were obviously cannons and mortars and hand grenades. The founders knew all about these weapons, and yet they didn't leave them out. They deliberately chose the word arms without any caveats. 
So surely at this point, any anti-gun folks who are still listening must be running out of ways to misinterpret the Second Amendment, right? I think I've pretty much left no stone unturned when it comes to the Second Amendment. But even after they drop the whole interpretation thing, gun control activists still have a couple of points they'd like to make. First of all, you may have noticed a common theme here in every one of these arguments that I've laid out, and that's that the founders regarded an armed citizenry as the ultimate deterrent against tyrannical government. Many gun control supporters have addressed this line of thought. They call the idea quaint, or cute, or just outright ridiculous. They say, if you think an AR-15 is going to protect you from government tyranny, I have a black helicopter I'd like to introduce you to. Really? Why don't you say that to Vietnam? Why don't you say that to Afghanistan? Both of which thwarted the efforts of the most powerful countries in the world using little more than small arms, homemade explosives, and guerrilla tactics. And they never had 320 million people. They never had 300 million guns. If Americans had to resort to similar tactics, we would be far greater in number, far more heavily armed, far more resourceful, and far more resilient than any insurgency in history. Whether tyranny came knocking from inside or out, that tyrant would have a hell of a fight on his hands. Not only is this idea not cute or quaint, but every serious thinking person knows it's true. And the most successful tyrants in history also knew it was true. Hitler knew it was true. Stalin knew it was true. Mao knew it was true. Gun control was the favorite policy of so many genocidal regimes in the 20th century. An estimated 56 million people were rounded up and murdered under gun control regimes like the Soviet Union, Germany, and China. Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story, who was appointed by James Madison, put this so well when he said, quote, The right of the citizens to keep and bear arms has justly been considered as a palladium of the liberties of a republic, since it offers a strong moral check against the usurpation and arbitrary power of rulers, and will generally, even if these are successful in the first instance, enable the people to resist and triumph over them. End quote. The last point that anti-gun activists can make once they've resentfully accepted that the founders, the courts, and the majority of the American people all agree that individuals have the right to keep and bear arms, is that they just don't like the Second Amendment and would like to repeal it. Now, as horrible as this idea is, at least they're being honest. At least they accept the facts, and at least seem to respect the Constitution enough to admit that the amendment process is the only way to get what they want. At least when they suggest repealing it, it forces us to have an honest conversation about our right to defend our life, liberty, and property. I'll take that debate over the interpretational debate any day. And this suggestion to repeal the Second Amendment isn't that far outside the norm for the left these days. In 2017, the New York Times had an article simply called, Repeal the Second Amendment. Give it a read, but the gist of this article is that the writer accepts that the Second Amendment does indeed give individuals the right to keep guns, and then suggests that we simply repeal it. And I'll sum up the article with a final sentence from the whole thing. It says, quote, Expansive interpretations of the right to bear arms will be the law of the land until the right itself ceases to be. End quote. Now, repealing the Second Amendment is obviously a horrible idea for reasons I've already articulated and for reasons that are forthcoming in future episodes. My reason for bringing it up is to point out that this is not a fringe idea anymore. It is in the mainstream. It's in the New York Times. And I have no doubt that this repeal movement is only going to grow in popularity. So that's it for the Second Amendment. But when arguing the constitutionality of gun control law, the Second Amendment isn't the only part of the Constitution we have to consider. We also have to consider the 14th Amendment. And we'll get to that on the next episode. Thank you so much for watching and supporting this show. Please be sure to leave your thoughts in the comments section or over on Twitter. All the links you need are down below. 
Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Views expressed in this show are those of the author and do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of the Department of Defense, Department of the Navy, or the U.S. government.